Construction Champions, it's your host, Ron Newsbaum, and we're here for another episode of Construction Champions Podcast, where we're changing the mindset around the construction industry. We're disrupting the thoughts of what can be and what should be within the construction industry. I'm super excited for our guest today. Matt, it is great to have you here with us. I need some more of that coffee, Ron. I love it. Hello, <laughs> hello. Hey, you know, our construction champions, we stay fired up because we know the impact that we're having out there is going to last for a long time. So, Matt, why don't you take some time and tell all the construction champions out there a little bit about yourself and what got you here to today? Yeah, I mean, my story started like most. I mean, I started real young in the business. My family's been in construction, predominantly masonry concrete, but uh, construction for four generations. My great-grandfathers came from Italy to America. They both, so my grandmother's father, grandfather's father, they bought land. Uh, they built their homes from the ground up and then started working for neighbors. And that's kind of how the business really evolved. Um, you know, they joked that they became contractors when they started working for people who spoke English because they predominantly spoke Italian. So they're like, that moment, that first time that, you know, my grandma used to translate and write the agreements for my great-grandfather. And uh, that was our roots, and, and it passed down to my grandfather, to myself, um, uh, you know, or my dad, rather, my uncle, and then to me. And I started working when I was nine and been in the industry and around it, and that's all I really that's all I really know. You can't take me to a cocktail party because I don't know anything else. I'm not much fun outside of stuff like this. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That That's uh, really amazing. Four generations coming in, build, just starting from the ground up. I love it. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to get your feedback today and have this conversation. So I'm going to dive right in there. I'm going to ask the million dollar question. And that is what makes a construction champion? You know, I was, I was, I was thinking about that. I've watched some of your episodes before. Um, and uh, for me, at least in my journey, I think it changed as I grew and developed in the industry. Right. I think that when I was really young, you know, when I was, I mean, I was running jobs by 12 years old. I had a very old school dad, you know, he was, he was one of those. He's like, I'll give him as much as he can handle. I don't care that he's 12, you know, or 14 or whatever. So, um, you know, in the early days, it, it meant being a team player. And as I grew into the business, it meant being a leader. Um, and then as I was really growing the business, it meant being a good marketer and salesperson. Um, and, and where I'm at right now with the company and what we do, which is residential, commercial, government work, and having started the contractor consultants, I think I've, I've leveled out where it means it's, it's really about team building, leadership, and culture. Like, I think that's where I see that, for me at least, being kind of the place that, that I'll be for a very long time. That's what excites me. That's where I, I feel the most impact is when I'm building the right team, when I'm working with contractors and we're helping them in their businesses. But I think it really comes down to, for me right now, team, culture, hiring, retention, that side of the business. I love it because that is, that's the fundamentals of the team, is that culture, that hiring, that retention. And that's what you moved, that's what you found the passion for. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about this conversation today is because you're right in the thick of what matters the most right now is guys are out there growing their companies and that's where your passion's at. So 
I'm excited to hear your view on the teamwork and what's happening out there right now in recruiting as we got guys continuing to hire. The construction industry has not slowed down. There's all this talk about stuff happening, but everybody I know is just as busy as they've ever been and they're looking for help. So how do we do that? How do we build these teams? Well, I mean, you know, it, I didn't, I didn't figure it. We didn't figure this stuff out. Uh, it it kind of happened on accident. Uh, my, my journey is probably relatable. I, I had an issue in, in 2018 where my company, uh, Debar Masonry specifically, we, we couldn't hire. So I lost nearly a million dollars in just a few short months. And then uh, a month after that, I found out I had my, you know, first daughter on the way. So not, or shortly after that. So, you know, this, this for me came out of kind of necessity we it used to be for us in construction so easy to find people right it used to be like i mean at least for me and, and what i was used to it was like the stuff that my dad taught me or my grandfather it was so easy to just go on craigslist or indeed and it was no issue and and i had a problem with it it nearly nearly tanked the business you know like i said a million dollars in, in about a month uh and a half burst of jobs that were canceling jobs that were over schedule and i was so hyped up by the sales i wasn't paying attention and I spent nearly two years uh, traveling the country and just trying to figure out what works. Um, and and I spent a ton of money. I called my CPA. I'm like, hey, what's the most I can spend without harming the business? I'm like, we got to get through two things. How much does it just cost us? And I got to figure this deal out. And so to come full circle, you know, what we found that works is, is interesting. It's, it's We break it down. I, I think of it in, in a couple key steps, right? You got to find them. You got to vet them. You got to hire them and you got to retain them and motivate them. So, you know, I'm, I'm a very process oriented person. I think that the more we can simplify things, the better. And so it's those four key steps. Um, and it really, as we dove into it and, and started to find things that worked, there was always a bottleneck at the next stage. And that's why I'm very, very persistent in the fact that I think it's a system because if you find too many candidates and you don't have a way to quickly vet them, you're screwed. If you vet them improperly or can't move certain people to the front of the line, you're screwed. So it's this, it's this modernized approach to hiring and culture because so much change has happened. Just, I mean, my family's been in the business 103, 104 years, uh, but there, there's so much shifting that's taken place that we as contractors need to completely reanalyze how we're approaching, how do we build our teams and how do we keep, motivate, and my favorite part, which is maximize our team, which we're, people aren't even talking about. We're talking about how do we fill a fill a position. We're not talking about how do we maximize motivation and output. And I'm glad we're going to have that conversation here. Yeah, let's talk about it. How do we maximize the team that we currently have? Because that is something that's underutilized, I, I really do believe. Well, you know, I, I have this thing called the, uh, it's in the, the course we created called the rubber chicken retention method. And so, it's kind of a funny story and it happened on accident. We, we wanted a way to motivate our, our team in the field, right? We wanted a way to constantly reinforce the bait because the old way of being like, you're wrong, you're dumb, you did it. You, you know, I used to joke when I was a kid, I knew how big of a mistake I made because I could tell how loud my dad yelled. Like if it was real loud, I was like, oh boy, I never should do that again. If it was like a, a small yell, I was like, all right, he's not really that bad. I mean, that's the industry I grew up in. You know, I grew up when if you mix a bad match of, a bad batch of mortar, they throw it off the scaffolding. It didn't matter if it was six frames tall. Like that was the industry I grew up in. Um, and so, so much change now in, in terms of culture. 
and the, we came up with this rubber chicken retention method on accident. So I said, what if we could, what if we could, instead of pointing out the things they don't do right, what if we could enforce and reward the things we do? So we had these company branded poker chips and I had a meeting with my whole management team. And I said, look, every time someone in the field does something well, job comes in under budget, uh, you know, uh, someone in a, a laborer tender, right, in the field comes up with a good idea and the foreman's like, wow, I really like that. Like, we, we want to give these out. And we created this spinning wheel and we had all these different size kind of wedges on it. And every month we have a team breakfast. We go over safety things. We go over like new announcements. The whole team's there. And it's like a, a, a morning meeting with, with everybody. It's really fun. They got, you know, team loves it. And uh, that's when you would redeem your chips. So you'd go up to, you know, some people have six, 10, some people have a few. And we had a lot of fun making this. We, we gave one of the, one of the uh, little wedges is a, a $2 an hour raise for a year. So, I mean, these are like really fun, exciting things you can win. Gift cards, gas cards, massages, like stuff that we, we, we pulled the team. Well, uh, what happened was we, when we made these square, these, uh, these like pizza slices on the, on the wheel, we had a couple extra ones. And I wanted to make something that was was uh, was basically inert, right? It was like you won something. It didn't really have a lot of value, but it was unique. And we asked the team. One of my guys was like, let's do a rubber chicken as a joke. So he said, okay. Well, what happened about three months after we rolled this out, and I don't go to these meetings because if I'm the owner, it, the, the dynamic changes a little. So I, I get a recording of it after. Like I'll get to see how everyone reacted. And I'll never forget uh, at one point now, I think I had, uh, of the nine crews, I think seven foremen had rubber chicken. So you have this event, right? There's 40, 50 people there. Uh, and there you have probably 10 or 12 because the foreman had it. And some of my uh, labor masons had it. And they're all squeezing these rubber chickens. And I had one of my guys walking up, a foreman, who's making great money. And he's going, rubber chicken, rubber chicken. He's spinning this wheel. And, and I remember watching that. And it almost knocked me off my feet because – on there is a $500 gift card, a $2 an hour raise, a $250 gift card, a $100 gas card. Like there's all these things you can win that are heavy monetary value. And this guy wants a $2 rubber chicken. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, everyone says that people are money motivated, right? They, everyone's, they just want money. You got to pay more. It's all about that. And you had grown, you know, men and women squeaking rubber chickens and everyone's going crazy and screaming. And he's like, rubber chicken. And at that moment, I was like, wow, you know, there's still, we're, our industry's changing. And when you can find the, the culture and the, the behaviors to reward, and you can be like, it just, it blew my mind because my dad, you know, the stuff I was taught in the business was like, you know, never, nobody works as hard as family. You know, nobody's going to care as much as you do. Like these were the beliefs and things. And I'm witnessing something totally different and it blew my mind. And that, so I think when we find the things in our, in our team that make us unique, right? The things that are fun. When we, when we focus on bringing fun back into the workplace, when we focus on, you know, what makes you special and what, what's kind of your twist on things, you, you start to unravel and tap into this thing that's there that until you experience it, you can't believe it. I love that. And that's, you know, <laughs> it's so impactful that you create something that it, it's, it's a culture. It's not, about the money. It's not about the rubber chicken, but it's about that camaraderie that you built there. Uh, I think one of the most impactful things for me that you just said was about the meetings happening. You're not there, 
but you get a recording of it and you watch it. Because for me, I think as we develop as owners and leaders, we we work our way out of being able to go to the daily meetings because that's that's how we continue to grow our businesses. But we can lose touch. And the fact that you're you're so proactive that you're recording them so you can watch them to keep a pulse on the company. To me, that's amazing. That right there, that's a million dollar tidbit for for everybody listening out there. I absolutely love that. I mean, I've seen owners that should be doing that, but aren't. How did you come about? How did you think of that? Because to me, that's ingenious. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm big on you know I want to when you, when you frame it, like I work for my team now, I work for my team and my and my customers, my clients, right? We don't call them customers, but so it, when you frame the mindset, you'll do more for others than you'll do for yourself. Like if I look at a PNL and I'm like, I want to make more money. Yeah. I'm not as motivated when I'm like, I want to give my team bigger bonuses or, you know, I want to provide my clients better service. I, I mean, I've just, I've developed. And, and when that's the, the kind of pillar, right, that's the lighthouse, the beacon then everything starts to shift. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to make sure that this is working. And, and we had the rubber ticket on there. And I was, frankly, I was nervous. I was like, oh man, you know, our bunch of construction people, like, are they going to be upset? And, and when the first one was one, kind of like, you know, he's like, okay. But then when the second person won it, it was like, oh, you got one too. And they're like, you know, they're playing with it. And then it was like three and four and five. And, and so it's just, you have to experiment. And so the recording came from, me knowing that I was taking a risk with, and I also want to make sure that we weren't getting too many two on our raises. So I was like, that was a little, I, was like, oh, I want to make sure this thing is set up, you know? But, uh, cause we don't have that in the budget. I think it was like, we did the math. It is, uh, what, 40 hours a week with that 80 bucks a week, four grand, you know, in a year, right? 52 weeks times 80. So, but I just, you, you, you have to experiment and then find ways to monitor your experiments and, when you, when you build a company, you just, you have certain things that you know, and, and I have a great management team. I have, you know, great leaders, but there's just certain things that I can pick up on that are just different. Like that moment, for example, like I picked up on that and I was like, wow, like that's, we're on to something here. Like that's our culture. That's a thing that we do differently. And now they're in every truck and some trucks have two or three of them. And it's like, it's this crazy thing that's unique to us. And, um, you know, but it was, it was me saying, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to take risk and then I'm going to monitor the risk. And I do that with, with many, many areas in the business. Like I'm not scared to try things, but then I'll put parameters in place like a recording where I'm like, I want to make sure the team's engaged. I want to make sure everyone shows up. Do they like the food? You know, should we be doing this at the end of the day instead of a breakfast in the morning? Like all these things I want to have an input and, and understanding of too. So it's, how do you manage while you're at a disc? You know, how do you, how do you allow leaders to lead while still being a safety net in the background? That's what I try and do. Yeah. And I think that video recording, I look back on it and, you know, I wish I would have done a lot more of that when I was holding meetings myself. Uh, Cause I, that's something I started doing towards my end of doing just meetings was I started recording myself so I could see what is that engagement happening, even when it's just me teaching something or training or just talking because you can see stuff differently when you're looking at it from that that higher perspective that that thousand foot perspective so the two dollar an hour raise that that to me that's an awesome one to have on there i've had i've had guys on here talk about having wheels and everything i haven't had 
the the rubber chicken or the two dollar raise i think those two things are amazing uh now is that compoundable i mean, this is probably a question that you got how many yeah. loads can somebody get in a year no, you get one and it's for a year and we've uh you know but uh i mean i wanted i just try and put myself in in, in other people's shoes like i wanted something where i was i mean it's a small i mean we made it as i was like <laughs> let's make sure it's that but you know let's make sure it's attainable but it's it's not, you know, everyone's getting it every week, but, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted things that were really exciting. I mean, we, we want to motivate those behaviors and it, it was interesting because when we started doing it, we also announced what they got it for, you know, uh, you know, John finishing this project, you know, six, you know, 40 hours early, right. Or whatever the case may be, it might be a client a review or whatever. So we're constantly reinforcing in front of the team. And then you might have two people who didn't get any spins that month. And instead of being like, you didn't do excellent, you didn't go above and beyond, we're just like, hey, this is what you can, you know, Mike just won a $500 gift card, Jose just got, you know, a $250 gas card, like, you're seeing it in real time, and it's it's compounding, and so um, it's, it's a way to do culture, and then we also do uh, another thing that we do that I, I discovered uh, is called a process improvement meeting, so what we do is instead of, when something doesn't go well, we, we always blame the process first. We never blame the person. Even if most likely at face value is the person. So my manager, like site super or foreman, will conduct a process improvement meeting with the person involved or if it's two people. And it's a sheet that they fill out. And it's like, what can I do better? What can you do better? Do we both agree? They sign it. If, if there's questions or whatnot, we have an, an escalation. But it's a way in which we can constantly be analyzing things without an awkwardness because how weird is it if somebody forgets a tool and it's like all right we've got to bring you in the office and figure out what happened here or you know somebody forgot the gas or they didn't check the oil in the power washer or something happens and it's like you're constantly it's like this i wanted to find a way where you could bring somebody into the office and it's not like oh boy i'm gonna get yelled at again because that was my that was my dad growing up you know he'd be like man i want to talk to you after work i'm like ah oh, no you know what did I, what did i do you know he's like you, you forgot to bring two cycle mix come on you know so we have these process improvement meetings where they document what went wrong, how can we fix it, how can the process be improved, and sometimes those answers are just, I forgot. Well, okay, how can you not forget next time? Well, I can write it down. Okay, great, where are you going to write it down? So it's in writing, so then the next time if it happens again, we get to go through their file and be like, hey, so we have this process that you agreed and thought was good, we put it in place, you forgot again, like how can we fix this? Well, I'm going to do this. And then if you have three or four of them, we have an escalation process for, for the same thing. But that was another huge one for us as a company because it completely shifted the way we view things not working. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can lean into your process, it's to me, you do, you do an excellent job of diverting the attention. So like when you're, when you're talking about this is why they're spinning the wheel, it's not necessarily about the prize. It's about the how they got the poker chip. And when something fails, you're talking about the system and where we can be better with the system. But at the same time, holding people personally accountable. That, that to me, I mean, that's an art form to be able to do that. And it, it, it shines through organizations when you have the ability to say, hey, you know, this is all process. What went wrong? and have that open conversation. So I'm sure that that pays tenfold in what the results are and the personal accountability. Because not only 
are you going through the process you're documenting, which is one thing we're not known to be very good at in the construction industry is to document and educate our employees along the way. It's something that falls to the wayside. Like you said, there's way, it, how it used to be is, hey, I need to have a conversation with you really quick. And it's like, I can't believe you did this or did that. And this is unacceptable. And nothing's documented. The employee walks away pissed off. They don't even know exactly what happened, but sitting people down, I love that. So as you as you work with contractors and yourself on the hiring process and uh, bringing people in, what's the biggest mistake that people make out there or that you've seen? You went all over the country. Let me kind of rephrase this. You did one of, one of the amazing things that I hear from a lot of top level leaders that have grown huge organizations is they went around the country to the best to specifically learn how to do a task, not necessarily learn how to run the entire business. They had something they were failing at and they went and found the best at it. So what was your takeaways from that? And how do we not do that? Yeah. I mean, I would say, so, you know, we, we, we had the issue I told you about, and then we, we ended up figuring it out, made the hiring course, the contractor hiring course, got endorsements from ZipRecruiter and Indeed. And now we teach, you know, we either do it or give the, you know, sell the course to contractors. So we've got a lot of data. Um, I would say the, the, it, it's a couple things. The first is knowing how big of a problem it is. So for example, when I'm speaking, right, how many of you have a big issue with hiring? Everybody raises, you know, 95% of them raise their hand. I'm struggling. How many of you spend more than two or three hours a week capturing data analyzing and figuring out how you're going to improve week over week on your hiring consistently management meetings, meetings with the team. How many of you are actively treating it the same way you would, if you weren't selling enough, the same way you would, if you were 50% on your sales goals, how many of you, everyone looks around. How many of you spend four hours a week, right? If you're working a 60 hour week, how many of you spend four hours a week analyzing, tracking and figuring out how to improve? I mean, you have your hiring goals written down and are actively measuring and managing towards that more than four hours a week. Nobody. So I think the biggest thing is, is it's this big problem, right? And, and I struggled with it too. And I figured this out, right? It's for me, the reason I had my, I hit that, that kind of that wall was because I didn't know what to do. I had no concept of what to do. And so it, it froze me. And I think a lot of contractors, we, we struggle with that. It's like, when you know nothing of what to do, it's kind of like, you're like, well, I'm just going to like, we'll, we'll leave, like, well, I call it, you know, not sleep in the corner. That's my work, my verbiage for it, right? It's like that little thing in the corner that it's like, well, the floor is clean. It's like, well, is it, right? With the magnifying glass in the corner, you're like, oh, we missed. So, and, and all the big breakthroughs in my entire business career have always come from checking the corner. It's like, what's the thing that I'm kind of putting off to the side that I don't really want to uh, confront? And so, I think it's it's putting enough time into it, but we're not putting enough time because we don't have a system. So it's it's making the time to start measuring and figuring this thing out. But once you do that, there's a couple of like common pitfalls. One is one is a uh, uh, making a career video, having a short video uh, about your company that people can fall in love with you and your business. They get to see who you are, who works for you. You get testimonials from your employees. You know, I'm Jack, and I've been working at the company. 25 years. Um, a career video is huge. Um, we have another thing called uh, leveraging the gap that we teach in the course. And basically that is where you can uh, basically 
analyze what your competitors are doing either locally or if you're in a smaller city or town, go to the big cities where there's endless budgets, type in similar positions and see what they're offering. You'll find things like four 10 hour days or guaranteed no commute over an hour or you, you, you need to, in this day and age, we need to find things that, that excite our, our potential applicants and make them want to apply. Like we have a demolition contractor, right? And we help them and in leveraging the gaps, we figured out what if you offered a professional massage once a week to your people in the field swinging a hammer every day? Massive amount of applicant uh, increase, right? You know, massive. I mean, they were like, wow, I've never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, once a week you get, you know, costing 40 bucks an hour, professional. And then his comp rate's going down, less injury, better culture. Uh, so, so you know, career video is huge. Leveraging the gaps is a, is a big one. And then the other one is, is uh, I mean, there's so many. Skills assessment's big. So uh, having a way to, to um, judge the skill. So one of the things I struggled with as we were building out the system and really figuring this out was we would go through the find vet hire stage and we'd bring them in the field and it was like, my foreman would be like, oh, is this another Mason? Is this another, another, Mason, another superstar Mason you got here? And then he'd call you know, my, my site super at lunch and be like, hey, I'm not going to make the cut. So having a skills assessment, a way in which you can physically demonstrate the skills. Now, we don't let anybody into the team until they come to my yard, it's paid, and they will lay a brick, block, wall, they'll pour concrete, they'll do all these things, and we get to judge it. And that helps culture because you don't have this transient culture at that point anymore where it's like, John's in. Then two days later, he's gone. And Mike's in, then two days later, he's gone. So, I mean, there's there's, there's a lot. I mean, uh, hopefully these are some good nuggets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you dropped a lot of gold in today's episode for anybody that's not just trying to bring their team up another level, but also bring in new people to their team. And how do they do that? Uh, it To me, you've been an absolutely amazing guest. Uh, you dropped a lot of fire. So Matt, how would people find you or get a hold of you uh, if they're wanting to reach out or learn more about what you do? Yeah, the contractor. So the contractor consultants, plural.com, easiest way. Head on over to the website, reach out to the team. I mean, anything we can do to help. I mean, if you have a hiring question or you're struggling on anything, I mean, we're, that's, that's our world. Awesome. Matt, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you, Ron. All right, construction champions, two major things that I learned from today's episode. And we'll start with the one that Matt just covered, and that is, are your corners clean? We can take this to any aspect of our business as we continue to grow it and ask ourselves that question. Hey, the floor looks clean, but what do those corners look like? So it's things that we overlook that long-term would be the stuff that slows us down or causes the biggest problems. Because let me tell you, it's never the easy stuff that makes it into the corners. It's always the hard stuff that takes some effort to overcome, but it's what will move your business the farthest along. And two, what's your company's rubber chicken? What is that? What are you doing that differentiates yourself from everybody else out there for your employees? This isn't for yourself. This isn't for your customers. This is your culture. This is what separates you and what is leading the way for your head foreman or superintendent to go to the guy at the other company that they know 
and say, you need to come work over here because we have this rubber chicken. Every company can have one. It's up to you as the owner to go out there and find it. That's what being a construction champion's all about. So construction champions, until next time, be the champion you were meant to be.